Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the final Fluid Fan Podcast of the year brought to you by Sports Innovation Lab. We have a really good show today. I'm your host, as you know, Angela Ruggiero, the CEO and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab. Hope you had a wonderful holiday season getting ready for the new year around the corner. It's crazy to think that I started this podcast uh, with Sports Innovation Lab back on December 3rd, 2019, a little over a year ago. And 38 episodes later, we've had some amazing guests from all over the world, all different sectors, really thinking about sports, technology, and the fan. Hopefully you've enjoyed what we've delivered over the past year, talking tech, talking innovation, and really diving into fluid fandom. At the end of the year, this is all about how fans are behaving differently, trying to understand why, and and then backing into the tech that's obviously servicing that that future fan, that fluid fan. As you know, a core piece of this podcast is Sports Innovation Labs research. It is what drives the conversation. It obviously helps determine who we select, not just at the individual level, but at the company level. We're obviously finding people and products and companies that are driving the fluid fan and the behaviors of the fluid fan. So that's what we do. That's the mission of this podcast, again, is to educate the market, to highlight leaders in the space, and to really put our research at the forefront of uh, the conversation. So on the show today, you have someone that's driving that research. Um, Very excited to have my co-founder, the president of Sports Innovation Lab, Josh Walker, with me for a very special number, fourth record time on the show talking about uh, the research that we did in 2020. Josh heads up our research team. He oversees our behavior series, all the reports that we'll talk about today. So wanted to, to dive in with Josh. Thank you so much for coming on. Let's kick things off. Always a pleasure to be here, Angela. Thanks for having me. <laughs> do, I, do I sense some sarcasm there, Josh? No, I just think it's um, the fourth time. I don't know how much more heat I can bring. I'm running out of gas. No, the good news is we've actually done a tremendous amount of research this year. So we have a lot of new things to talk about, which I'm sure we'll dive into. Yeah. So we're going to summarize 2020. I think there was a lot of conversation around COVID. Some of that will hit our reports, but we had five groundbreaking reports. I want to just quickly summarize each one of those for any listener that hasn't downloaded those, doesn't understand that maybe wants to learn more. You can obviously go on our website sportsilab.com to follow along, but let's, let's get right to it. Let's start with our seminal piece of the year. The fluid fan is here. I had three takeaways. Would love if you could elaborate on the, the key takeaways of that report, Josh. One, we're in a new age with new rules. The business of sports has changed. Two, we need to decide for behaviors, not engagement. Engagement means everything and nothing. So we've really, I think in this report, tried to push the industry to think about their fans in terms of the behaviors. And three, new technologies are creating opportunities for fans to do more. Can you quickly riff on those three main takeaways from the fluid fan is here? Yeah, I don't think we had a crystal ball and could predict what a you know tremendous shift this industry would face this year given the health uh, pandemic, that report really laid the groundwork for the urgency we were trying to create for the different sports organizations across the industry to think about how they will respond to the changing behaviors of fans. And those fan behaviors 
were boiling before COVID even hit and COVID accelerated a lot of the digital consumption of media, which the industry was not ready for. So if you take those takeaways, you're really looking at the idea that there's a new type of consumer that's here, that they are going to be thinking about how they consume and participate in sports differently. And they're going to use technology to do that. So for everybody who reads that report, they kind of come away thinking, wow, it's not the diehard fan. There's a new fan. It's not just about fan engagement. I really need to think about what drives my business, what behaviors the fans do that help me make money. And then the third is, and if I'm not investing in technology, not only products and services, but teaching my staff and my team how to deal with these new business models, these new technologies, OTT, virtual reality, digital ticketing, uh, mixed use venues that have all kinds of new entertainment services with them, then I'm not really preparing for the future. Love it. Yeah. And again, we launched this at the beginning of the year. COVID hit shortly thereafter. Uh, it's been, I think, the best opportunity that we've seen in maybe decades to do things differently, to really understand that the business looks different, it should look different. And if you haven't read this report, again, what Josh mentioned about behaviors are everything. We talk about that quite a bit. It's it's the one document you have to read. If you're listening to this podcast, we're going to iterate on it and have the you know Fluid Fan 3.0 in Q1 of next year. So look forward to that. So the next one I wanted to talk about, Josh, was the rise of athlete-driven media. I know we've had quite a few guests on this show um, talking about performance data. The three key themes of that report are that you need to really think about collecting, analyzing, and delivering data. Two, that the market is divided into two camps, both human performance and broadcast enhancement or you know, engagement, if you will, with this data. And then three, analytics should and will power fandom in the future. Can you walk us through that report with these three key takeaways? Absolutely. I mean, I think the second takeaway is probably the most important one, which was that this research, when we spoke to the experts in the industry and did our primary interviews, um, really was the turning point for the industry where we saw that there was a strong difference between those kinds of companies that were collecting data off the human body for the purposes of human performance and the types of companies that were collecting data off the human body, the athlete, for the purposes of fan engagement. And those are very different business models. One deals with the health, the recovery, the you know, well-being of the athlete. And the other really focuses on how do we make money from this data? How do we do really cool uh, graphical overlays on broadcast? How do we create new trading cards or collectibles from this data? How do we launch new nutrition programs if you want to train like LeBron or Mia Hamm or, you know, anybody that's out there that's trying to, you know, make something of their either current training regimen past current, you know, training regimen, they have human data that they can use to inspire young people or, you know, other athletes to train like them. So there are business models emerging from performance data that's collected on sensors. And that goes to the first takeaway that you talked about. The sensors collect the data, but the industry is still figuring out how to analyze that data 
And then there's a lot of work that still needs to be done on delivering that data. How do you visualize it? How do you consume it? We're getting used to having those smartwatches on our wrists um, that can tell us our heart rate, that can tell us how many calories we burned or how many steps we took. But how do you use that data and how is it delivered to your phone, to your computer, maybe to your uh, social network. Those are the big issues that the industry is grappling with. And we believe all of those is issues are really important for the third takeaway that you talked about, which is that this data has a role in creating deeper fandom. You'll follow athletes closer, you'll follow sports closer, and probably just making fans you know, more interested in a sport in the future. Yeah, and sometimes I talked to Gary Bettman a few weeks ago around my sport hockey and maybe just learning about the athletes, understanding the positioning. Some of this data is, is simply helping the fan understand the sport, understanding the athlete. And the power behind that is a big piece of this report, the rise of athlete-driven media. A lot of attention, I think, is paid on the performance side, but this report really dove into that second half of the market as well, that, that opportunity. All right, let's move on to designing breakthrough venue experiences. We have a practice called Smart Venue. We all know the venue is a platform now. It's, uh, it's absolutely changing the game in terms of bringing fans to the venue. Uh, larger hurdle, I'm sure, this year with COVID and, and when fans feel comfortable and leagues are allowed to bring fans back. Key takeaways for this report, make it easy to be an in-person fan. It's not a... <laughs> Not a high level thing and just it's harder that we can't depend on the die hard make it easy that goes into the second point we should remove friction for the fan before during and after so think of the the platform uh, more than just the event itself and then uh, third develop a partner ecosystem high level break it down for us josh how do we think about really designing an amazing breakthrough venue experience well i think Everything builds off the Fluid Fan is Here report. We just talked about athlete data, and that is recognizing that you can use this data, to your point about Gary Bettman, to bring new fans into a sport because they learn about what makes these athletes special. Or they can take current fans and get them deeper into a sport because they're more interested in how fast they skate or how they compare to the previous players that have ever skated on ice. That's really addressing the needs of the Fluid Fan. The venue report, designing breakthrough fan experiences, is about the fact that the fluid fan has lots of entertainment choices in their life. They don't just have to go to the game anymore because like, that's the thing they do when spring season comes and they go to ball games. They actually have a ton of different things that they can do. So the ballparks that are out there now, the arenas that are being built, the soccer pitches that are being created are these mixed-use retail environments. And for anybody that works in the sports industry to understand that these are no longer about game day, but that they're becoming these 365, you know, retail, entertainment, you know, shopping districts, sometimes even with residential, sometimes even with office space, they're really, really large areas that need to be easy to access and they need to stay open before, during, and after a game. So the way you design them and the way that you anticipate the, the fluid fan moving through that environment and how they spend money is a huge part of that report. All right, let's move on then to the future of watching sports. This to me is, uh, I think, got a ton of downloads on our site because people couldn't get to the venue this year and the industry had to figure out 
how do we keep fans that are at home uh, engaged with our property, uh, doing something with our property, really trying to uh, stay relevant in their minds when they couldn't uh, be there in person. My takeaways from that report, Josh, is that it's hard to stand out because Previously, when times are good, the market just saturates fans with content. Uh, let's just create more content. And that high level problem in some ways um, has made it hard to stand out to, on your own, that you need to understand the power of media convergence. Again, if you work in this industry, uh, we've been talking a lot about media convergence that and it dives super deep. Hopefully you can cut that up for us. And that digital sports are disrupting traditional sports. We need to really understand how digital sports were very uh, important during COVID, but are here to stay and absolutely creating a new opportunity to do more with, with watching sports. Break up the media industry for us uh, in, in a few words. Uh, I'd love to do it in a few words. It's, um, <laughs> it, it, it's tough because I think, again, going back to the venue report, that venue report hit right before COVID. Mm-hmm. And think about that because we were really recommending to the industry that they build experiences that go beyond the game. So if there was a really vibrant, you know, retail entertainment district, you could bring fans in there, even if there wasn't a game. Now go to the media. We were about to write a report that was all about all the whiz-bang new immersive tools that make watching sports so much more exciting than it ever was before. But in the middle of writing that report, COVID knocks everything off the rails. And it's no longer about, you know, making the the new media, the immersive media, the digital format more exciting. It's about, wait, what do we produce as an industry if the live game is not on? So that report really took a hard look at how little the industry had done to use the archive media that they had to create new experiences. This is when the last dance popped and everybody was like, what do we have that we can use for documentary style? You know, and they all scrambled and they didn't know. They didn't have a digital format, right? So we gave a lot of credit to NASCAR and how quickly they pivoted and created a bunch of experiences with iRacing because they had that digital expertise to do that, but other properties did not. Um, and then of course, it was like social went dark. What do we talk to our fans about if we're not talking to them about the game? So the way that the industry had siloed broadcast, live events, and social made it very difficult for them to pivot quickly when the live broadcast wasn't on. So this report really lays out a strategy for how we reduce our dependency on linear broadcast as an industry. We build a studio, which we call Fluid Fan Studio, that brings together the types of media formats that are out there so that we're never in this situation again and we can reach the fan where they are, even if they're not sitting in front of a linear broadcast. And and that's a big change for this industry. So the Fluid Fan Studio brings together the broadcast talent, the social talent, and the live event talent to create a center of excellence that really understands how to bring those technologies together. So the social people are talking about the same thing the broadcast people are talking about at the same time that perhaps a game is going on in the venue. Yeah. And the, the, again, the cracks in the business of sports, the foundation there were exposed during COVID, but we saw a lot of properties and, and media entities pivot quickly you, you pointed NASCAR, um, others that are really trying to help the industry think differently. Uh, this Fluid Fan Studio concept that we have in the report uh, was a recommendation where, where we need to go regardless. 
and again, we'll keep pushing on that in 2021, but fluid fans look differently, even without the property itself, the shoulder content, the other ways that fans want to consume your content outside of the game. That's a trend that is timeless. The fact that they're not on linear or linear consumption is going down. Again, that happened pre-COVID. Again, I think provides an opportunity. They're still fans. They still want to consume. So the report, I think, dives into how to how to think about doing things differently. Um, so thanks for that recap, Josh. How about our last report? This launched in September. I'm really proud of this one because it, it I think, sheds some light into 2021 and where we're hopefully focusing the industry on data. Uh, our data-driven sponsorship report, we talked about how the sponsorship, the brands are interacting with the properties and really seeing the industry through the lens of what they currently do, association, activation, and the future really is seeing their partnership with properties as a platform partnership. Can you talk us through this report again and really the latter, the platform partnership, which is what I get excited about, the opportunity to capture data to really service the fluid fan in a more personalized way? Yeah, again, this, is, this report is a really big idea. Um, and it pushes on the industry to not only acknowledge that the fluid fan is here, but take a hard look at how well do they know the fan. And when you talk to different sports organizations, if you talk to the sponsorship teams at large brands as well, and especially if you talk to the agencies, they're missing the data they need to understand what fluid fans are doing. Full stop. The CRM system has some personalization data in it if they're lucky, but it's largely just ticket purchases. Are these my season ticket holders? Do I have their address? Do I have their email address? Maybe I'm lucky enough to have their social handle. I don't know a lot about my fans. And so this report says, if we're spending all this money on sponsorship, on activation, why aren't we using these massive opportunities to collect more first-party data from the fans that we know are passionate about that experience? So if you're going to spend a ton of money at the World Cup, if you're going to spend a ton of money at the Super Bowl, if you're going to spend a ton of money at the World Series, if you're a MasterCard, if you're Coca-Cola, if you're Visa, use those opportunities to work with your partners to collect behavioral data. Go in and say, we think if we can offer a fan this opportunity, they'll do this. Have a thesis and go in and use that large marketing spend to test the thesis, but to collect the data. And so the report mentions those three modes of sponsorship as a way to say, this isn't for everybody. Nobody, not everybody can go out and partner with Google and Amazon and Facebook and create these massive technology partnerships, but many can. Arsenal can, Juventus can, you know, the LA Rams can. There are properties that command that level of attention and they should. But for everybody else, there are ways to just use their sponsorship dollars smarter so that they're not in a position where they're beholden to somebody else to buy their third-party data. They can collect this data themselves. Sports fans have a very strong connection with the properties. They should be using that to get smarter about what their fans are doing. And that's what data-driven sponsorships means. Data, data, data. That's the future I keep saying for our industry. Uh, let's let's act more like Amazon and and Facebook, all the big technology providers out there, um, because ultimately what we're talking about is not data. It's about a better personalized experience to continue to drive fandom and revenue across the ecosystem. So big ideas in there, as you mentioned, would recommend, obviously, if you want more information on any of these, you can find them on our website, sportsilab.com. 
five big reports. Again, the fluid fan is here. We will uh, build off of that in Q1. So look forward to that report dropping. We might have to have you back on, Josh. I don't know. I, you know, I, a fifth seems like a lot on on the podcast, but you know, I like you. So and the way the way that you said that, it almost <laughs> sounds like a threat. <laughs> I'm always happy to come on. I, I, I think this is a really rare opportunity for you and I to take a breath, look back and reflect on how we've really had to learn as we've gone through this, this year in particular. Um, I know when we started this year, we had very ambitious goals to write about the most innovative sports properties, which we're going to be launching next year. I know that we had a lot of really good intentions to start showcasing the most immersive, you know, new broadcasting stuff that's out there. But as an industry, I think we really have to change some things that are more fundamental to the way we operate. Yeah, and that, again, I'm very proud of the work that you've done, that our team's done, that our company's done, because when we started this company, it was about helping the industry make more data-driven decisions to drive their business forward, to, to help sports as an industry move forward. And, you know, the time is now. COVID just crushed this industry this year. But I always see, you know, glasses half full. There's an opportunity for recovery here. And what we've laid out over the past year, I think, is a lot of advice and insight into what we just study the market every day. That's all we do. We look at the business of sports and the technologies driving fandom. You know, hopefully we've provided a service and are staying true to our mission, Josh, which is to help the future of sport um, survive and thrive and do all the good things that we know sport does, which is help young people have role models, help the, help the world see human potential. All of the good things, again, I, I, I love about the sports industry, come back to keeping it relevant so that our kids and, and our communities aren't turning elsewhere for their quote unquote entertainment. They're, they're coming here time and time again. And so I'm proud of the work we've done. Thank you for, for that. We can't leave though. We've done a lot more research. This is behind the paywall now. So you guys are getting a a little peek into what we do for our clients each and every day. We actually broke apart fan behavior. So in that key report, the fluid fan is here. We said, think about behaviors, not just engagement is a catch-all phrase. We went one step further for our clients and said, we're going to break them up. So I want to go through quickly, Josh, the some of the high level behaviors that we've dissected, you can share a little bit into those behaviors and any insights that you think would be helpful to our awesome Fluid Fan podcast listeners. So first, tell us about the behavior series and maybe you can start with our first official behavior that we, we launched six months ago in Connect. Well, um, I think behaviors can be understood in very simple terms. We talked about the fluid fan is here. Everybody in the sports industry wants to say that their fans are engaged, but the litmus test for that is to ask them what they mean by engaged. Ask them what the fan is doing. When you picture your fan engaged, what are they doing? Are they cheering? Are they at home? Are they in the stands? What does engagement mean? And then there's another question to ask, which is how do you make money from that behavior? So we start as analysts um, by asking those important questions so that our clients understand what drives their business. When our clients are able to hone in on that message and say, yeah, we know what drives our business. When people watch our sport, we get more ad revenue. That's key to us. We need to just do everything to make sure they tune in. Or when they bet, 
that's how we drive most of our revenue. When anybody puts a prop bet on or they pick the over under or the, you know, we know that they're super engaged. They have skin in the game. That's our goal. That's the DraftKings, the MGMs, the Verizons of the world. Um, and then we just like, you know, walk them through what technologies empower those behaviors because those behaviors don't happen on their own. It's not good marketing that makes those behaviors happen. It's actually providing the consumer with the technology that enables them to bet that enables them to learn, to dive deeper into the advanced analytics. So our behavior series really unpacks all of that and then gives you the advice as to which companies to work with if that behavior is indeed strategic to your organization. So let's go through a few of those. Connect, what's high level, what's connect? It's a behavior we want. Yeah, we, we started with connect because it's the foundation of a lot of other behaviors. If you can't help your fans connect um, on Wi-Fi, on DAS, on any sort of new 5G or boosted 4G network, it's all about the infrastructure that lets, lets a fan walk into a venue or from home or from a festival like, you know, sporting event or an outdoor PGA tour. How do they connect? How do they make sure that they have reliable connectivity to either get replays, make bets, um, socialize with their friends, co-watch? All these things are now happening on a mobile phone. Those mobile networks are really, really important. And so we analyzed which of the providers in the industry provide most of the sports organizations with the connection capability and who is aligning with those um, different vendors. And what we found was, you know, you have vendors like Extreme, Cisco, Verizon, the, you know, a lot of the carriers, a lot of the networking companies like JTA, they're all helping sports provide this behavior or enable this behavior for fluid fans. I just want to post a picture. Help me do that as a fan. Very simple, but like connect that's engagement. All right. Learn what's uh we talked about, uh, Hockey, that's a hard sport. You can use it as an example. What, what do Fluids fans want in learning? It's interesting. I don't think a Fluid fan says, I want to learn more about this sport. I think Fluid fans you know, realize at a certain point when they're consuming media that they don't know enough or they're curious about something that's happening. So you know, you might be watching a rugby match and you don't know what overtime looks like, or you might be watching a hockey match and you're not sure why they went down to three on three. These learning moments are sometimes fueled by really good commentary, right? The great announcers know exactly when to educate the viewer, but more and more, we're all watching with our phones or with our computers open or, you know, in an environment where we're online, we wanna be able to access stats and information very quickly. Learn is about making sure that you're providing fans with new types of information. You know, this is very cliche, but it's like the next gen stats. It's the overlay that shows you player positioning or player tracking or a 360 view of the play. Um, those things all help a fan learn more about a game. And that helps you either, as I mentioned earlier, drive a, a existing fan in deeper or acquire new fans who are interested in the speed or the agility of the athletes they're watching. Awesome. All right. One that I love access. It's all about bringing fans closer to the athletes that they love. Breakdown access. It historically has been, had to have been done in an analog way where, you know, Angela has to, someone has to be able to get to me to sign an autograph, but there's so many ways now technology is powering 
access to athletes. Break it down for me, Josh. Yeah, I mean, maybe you should break it down. You, you were one of the first uh, athletes on Twitter. Um, you have a massive following. That is what this is all about. It's about Angela Ruggiero, the hockey player, being able to go directly to her fans, um, have communications with them, talk to them. Uh, Twitter was an early example of this, but now you have Instagram. Um, you have overtime doing docuseries stuff on the G League. It's really providing fans with closer one-to-one access to the athletes that they love so that there's no longer gatekeepers. In the past, you mentioned the meet and greets where the fans would wait in line to get your autograph, but you know, somebody's dad would sneak their daughter behind, you know, the locker room to meet you or something like that. Those barriers aren't there anymore. If a fan knows how to reach you on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or WhatsApp or wherever, they have just as good a chance to having a conversation with their favorite player as you know, a journalist or coach does. But, and that's a good point. The, the barrier to entry, the barrier to get to that athlete, the gatekeeper used to be the agent, your national governing body, your team, your league. Now athletes are like, "Mm -mm, I'm going to go direct to my fans, talk to them, engage with them, show them who I am as a human. It's a key reason in fluid fandom, why we see the balance of power quickly shifting to the athletes because fans follow athletes now over leagues and teams and technology obviously has been a major driver of that. All right. What about show up? We've talked about show up in terms of creating a seamless experience that will get fans into the venue and make them want to come back a little bit about our, our venue report, but how is technology helping fans to show up, Josh? Yeah, no, I think you touched on it while we were talking about designing breakthrough fan experiences. That report about smart venues was about making it easy for fans to get to a live match. Now, um, what's not written about a lot or talked about a lot is when there are no shows at a live event that crushes the revenue opportunity for the venue and the team because you know those people aren't paying for parking they're not paying for concessions they're not buying jerseys so it's not just that they bought a ticket and didn't come but if they're stuck in traffic they didn't get an uber the subway's not running whatever the logistical issues are um, they're stuck in a huge line that makes it hard for them to go they don't show up so this is a very simple concept but a very technology driven integration challenge and that sounds super nerdy but it's like you got to make sure that the transportation works with the ticketing which is now digital and works with you know a preloaded loyalty wallet some of these uh properties have their own mobile apps where they want to preload your phone with money you can pay for concessions beer merchandise all of that has to come together and it's really hard to do because so many different companies do those things. Mm-hmm. Uber and Ticketmaster and Venue Ties and Armored Things and Cisco, you know, and, you know, forget all the parking, you know, apps, which are very geographically distributed. And it could even be with public transportation. A lot of European stadiums, you know, have some sort of connection with, with the rail. Um, so all of this stuff really has to come together to make it easy for fans to show up. Yeah. This is tech. It's your big tech stack. Who? It's not just selling a ticket. It's getting people physically there. We have to think outside of our, our walls, think outside of the box in terms of what's inhibiting fans to show up and spend more money and be more quote unquote engaged. All right. A couple more here. How about participate? Getting fans to lean in, create their own content and foster a community. 
Yeah, I'll answer this one by um, juxtaposing it against another one we did later in the year. We did participate and co-watch. Both of these have been very strong responses to the pandemic, where we had already seen that there was more interactivity being built around the live stream of a sporting event. So if the game's on, people are doing things like chatting, they're, you know, second screening, they want to be doing something else, but they usually couldn't do it because they were watching a linear broadcast with no interactivity. Participate and co-watch are the technology evolution of linear broadcast, which it says, there's two things I usually want to do. I usually want to watch with my friends. So co-watch brings in all my friends around the live game so we can video chat and talk to each other. And participate is the, hey, I don't really need to see everybody. And that really makes it harder to watch the game anyway. I just want to be chatting with my buddies. I want to be betting them, you know, who's going to score the next goal. I want to be, you know, having different games and trivia there. That is all happening too. And that's really where you have more active fans, more engaged fans, because they're participating in gaming, trivia, chat, betting. And that happens around the stream. So participate is about that, and co-watch is about us being able to do that together, seeing and, each other with a video. And I like that, too, because we talk a lot about Fluid Fandom is about giving fans agency to do something. Tech is allowing you to do something, not just sit back. Again, Linear uh, is is sitting back, and that there's a time and a place for that, certainly. you just Absolutely. We didn't write the behavior series on escape because that's usually what we're doing when we're watching sports. We're, like, sitting back on the couch, just want to, like, mindlessly see a good game. That's escape. We know that behavior. That's how the industry has largely run for years. If I have a big screen TV, I'm going to sit on my couch, and I'm going to escape for a little while. Yeah, and and we're, we've this never claimed that, that that's going away. I mean, no. I love – the, I'm never going. I, want, I can't wait for 8K. I can't wait to put on. You know, I love putting on golf for the background noise. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's a time where it's just, hey, I want to kick back. I don't want to think. But what we're talking about in some of these behaviors, it's lean in, giving you agency as a fan, enabling to do something maybe with others, um, which is why I like those two. Uh, well, you, you need to do them too. Like this is not one of those things where we think this is happening. That this might be a trend any young person with access to technology. And again, there are a large number of, of young people who do not have access to technology, but increasingly that's going down. Um, you really do see the gaming platforms and the social platforms capturing their attention in a way that makes them do things all the time while they're consuming media. So, you know, these two are, these two are skills that our industry has to master. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, it's actually a good point you made. Over half of the world's population doesn't have internet access. I mean, I did an event for the UN earlier this week. There's a, still a massive digital divide, which obviously is not good. But as the world tackles that inequality and, and more people go online, literally half of the world will want to do something, will want to have agency, will want to you know, the market's just going to continue to open up and they're going to be online. Believe me, they may not have your broadcast feed, but they're going to have access to some of these uh, tools that we're talking about or opportunities to really lean into sports as a potential entertainment option for them. So it's a really interesting point. The world is changing. It's not where we want it to be. 
and we're just highlighting again opportunities to evolve the industry and we just wrapped up a couple more own fans want to own their fandom tell us what that's about josh and react they actually just want to react to content that's already out there yeah, I think I think this plays exactly on the point we were just discussing about the next generation. They want to own a piece of their fandom, whether it's digital or merchandise. I mean, this is the same thing when we were younger, where you wanted a poster of your favorite uh, athlete in your room. Um, you wanted to wear the jersey. Some of that stuff now is digital. So we have to be, uh, as an industry, mindful that there are other types of collectibles. Um, Panini, Tops, um, there's European companies that are working on this too in football, um, where they just want to collect and have dynamic collectibles, uh, you know, as they do with baseball cards or anything else. Now, some of that stuff happens online. Um, you see it in video games with skins and avatars and things like that. It's made its way into sports in a big way. Probably the best example is NBA Top Shot, where they've created collections of highlights, video highlights that are unique because they have a certain crypto connection. And then, you know, you can own highlights nobody else does. So owning digital assets and collectibles is is a big part of future fandom and the last one we did this year was react and react is another big piece of the way that fluid fans will you know behave in the future which is they want to be creators and you know you talked about the 50 percent of of young people out there or the world that don't have access to the internet they will probably discover youtube before they discover sports content um, because there's more free user-generated user created content on YouTube and on the internet than there is rights protected sports media. So their first inclination will be to make things. And that instinct to use technology to create is something the sports industry doesn't do well. So our behavior for this year is react, which is what happens before you can create. React is when you're able to like put your like, your emoji, your emoticon, whatever it is that says you're actually reacting to this content in a way that gives you the ability to have some connection to it. We believe that that's the precursor for pressuring the properties to allow them to play with rights protected content so that they can create things that they actually own and have some identity with. I love it. Josh, even so helpful to our food fan podcast audience obviously the fan is evolving very quickly we have done our best this year in 2020 to not only break up the industry from a business perspective but to isolate the behaviors that we believe are driving fandom in 2020 and beyond so thanks for breaking up those again as a reminder all of the behavior series are client facing if you want to learn more if your business if that is a core tenant to your business, hit us up, info at sportsilab.com. We'd be happy to walk you through our products and services and find out the best way to help you and your business. Josh, thanks for 2020. It's been a big, big year for everyone, including our team. But thanks for your contribution to all the reports and leading our team internally at Sports Innovation Lab. Our job is to obviously push the industry forward. Any closing thoughts on 2020 before we wrap? Oh yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm looking forward to 2021. I think that, uh, I, again, you've heard me say this before, but I'm an optimist. Um, I tend to be uh, a little bit risky, uh, risk 
I, I tend to take risks and I think that uh, 2021 is going to be a huge year. I think we're going to come out of this thing. Um, we're going to be like the roaring twenties sports is going to come racing back. And I'm really, really excited to help our clients get there. All right. That's 2020. It's a wrap. It was a long year. Hopefully we all took a step back. We learned, we evolved. We're better versions of ourselves. Hopefully this vaccine comes and we're all able to get back into venues and meet in person. We'll continue to push behind the scenes with our research. I can't wait for some of the research that we're doing to share that with the industry, particularly around data. So more to come, but thanks Josh for joining us on the Fluid Fan Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ange. So that was a great show. Again, psyched. Uh, my co-founder came on, dropped a little of his insights. He's leading the team internally. Thank you, Josh, for what you do. And thank you to my whole team for what you guys do. 2020 was a killer year for everyone. You showed up. Jack Barlow, my producer of this podcast. It's been a year. It's been a lot of fun. We've been able to interview some amazing guests. Thank you for your enormous contribution to the success of this podcast. And to my listeners, wouldn't be here without you. Show us some maybe end of the year love. If you like our research, please download it. If you want to hear more from our podcast, subscribe. We're everywhere, literally. Hit us up at Sports Eye Lab or my personal handle at Angela Ruggiero. Thank you for listening, for being a part of this. Happy New Year. Please celebrate. Be safe with your families. Don't travel. Wear a mask. We're going to get through this. And 2021 is going to be a phenomenal year. I am an optimist like Josh. A lot that we've suffered through this year, but hopefully we're turning a corner. Enjoy the new year and I will see you next year. Bye-bye. <laughs>